Today, I had such an interesting discussion with Beth Spindler, who many of you know as the most humorous yoga therapist that any of us have ever met. And this conversation was rather serious, but if you follow Beth on any social media, you will see how funny she really is. But today it was a little more serious. We talked about her new book that has just come out, all about managing common conditions by healing the nervous system first. And the premise is that when the nervous system is damaged, it impacts every other system of the body, the digestive system, the cardiovascular system, the immune system, the skeletal muscular system. And that is kind of a, a new way of thinking about health. And I think Beth is really a pioneer. She was already looking at the vagus nerve back in 2004, before anybody else was talking about it. She was already understanding the importance of how the vagus nerve comes and innervates so many different systems of the body. Beth has also studied long before anybody was talking about it, the phrenic nerve. And I think that's really interesting because so many people still haven't heard about the importance of the phrenic nerve. I think many of us have gotten so interested in the vagus nerve that we're just 100% in on the, the vagus nerve, but the phrenic nerve, spelled P-H-R-E-N-I-C, comes out of C3, C4, C5, and descends through the thorax and basically is very much innervating the diaphragm. So through pranayama or through breathing exercises, we are impacting the phrenic nerve from the bottom up by moving the diaphragm and breathing deeply, we are sending signals up the nervous system. And we're starting to understand how much that has to do with good health and healing. So in this interview, we go beyond the vagus nerve into the phrenic nerve a little bit. And then another system that honestly, I didn't know much about, and I am so happy that Beth helped me to understand and got me kind of looking this up. It's called the glymphatic system. And basically what the glymphatic system is, is it's the lymph that is in your brain and your cranium. We know that the lymph system is kind of like cleaning up all the debris in the body. But had you ever thought about cleaning up the debris up around your brain and, and in your cerebral spinal fluid. So she talks about the glymphatic system and how important that is to mental health and even takes us through a practice to help get things flowing again. And I would highly recommend that if you're listening to this, maybe you go to our YouTube channel, which is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler and look at the self-care practices that she's demonstrating in this interview, because it's kind of hard to imagine without seeing it. So you want to go to the YouTube channel, Optimal Stay with Amy Wheeler, and I think you'll, you'll see how we can impact that glymphatic system. So I just really enjoyed this interview because I learned some new things and I have some new areas of research interest, which I'm sure some of you will too. And as 
most of us know, the message about how the autonomic nervous system impacts all of these other systems of the body is the new medicine out there. This is where we're headed. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Beth Spindler. And I really learned new things and I hope you do too. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. The Yoga Therapy Hour is here to support you on your mental, emotional, and spiritual journey. We talk about things like nervous system regulation, spiritual connection, how to be more involved in your community, how to communicate well, how to manage your mental health. There are so many things that we are excited to share with you in season five of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. And we hope that you will share it with your friends, family, colleagues. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome, Beth. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for coming. I'm so glad to be here, Amy. Should, should we tell them our secret? <laughs> We've been struggling to tape this interview, and here we are trying again. And I think the gods are with us. It's going to work this time. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the reason I would have been so disappointed if we could not get this today is because I've been reading your new book that just is coming out called Trauma Aware Yoga and Movement Therapeutics for Older Adults, Managing Common Conditions by Healing the Nervous System First. And that last little subtitle, Managing Common Conditions by Healing the Nervous System First, what does that mean to you? It means that most of the conditions that we deal with when we're older have their roots in trauma. And that if we're not addressing that complete healing is not really fully available. It's a pretty yogic concept, really, that we're working on the whole human being. But science is also saying that those conditions are based largely on the switch that was tripped, exacerbated further along the line by repeated traumas that cause those conditions to worsen. I think if we go all the way back, some of our listeners, that might be kind of a foreign idea to think something happened to me as a child or a young adult and my nervous system, a switch flipped. The trauma caused something to happen. I think we should dig into that a little bit. So does that mean that maybe the nervous system went into fight or flight and got stuck there or even freeze and got stuck there? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's what happens. And we develop those patterns of survival that you're talking about. I like to think of it similar to in the mind. It's, it's similar to scar tissue or adhesion that we develop these layers and layers and layers over that obstruction to being able to heal from that trauma. While we may not be consciously aware that those are causing our daily interactions or how we move or how we react to life or how we eat or how we sleep, being impacted by something that happened to us some time ago, it's still in the body. It's still there. 
Well, there was a part of your book. I don't know if I can find it really quickly here, but you said, let me, let me read this from page. What is this? Page 25. It says, why trauma aware movement for older adults? Easy answer. We've lived longer. More life experience means that there are more chances we've experienced abuse, war, dysfunctional relationships, family crisis, natural disaster, marginalization, and host of other major stressors that qualify as traumatic events. And many of us did not seek therapy or we didn't have counseling experiences that were ineffectual. We even had harm before much was understood about how trauma fully impacts the body mind. Many of this generation were told not to cry and that someone else had it worse. The whole culture did not acknowledge sexual emotional trauma. We toughened up and kept walking and often inadvertently trained our families to do the same. When we finally address our own traumatic injuries and heal from them, we can become cycle breakers. So, I, I think that's so true that there's a whole generation that not only did they get stoic and just kind of deal with it, but they told their kids to do the same. Yeah. There's this glorification of soldiering on. Don't acknowledge the hurt. Yeah. Dust it off, dust it off, uh, get up and, and, and keep going, keep going in the small things. But it, it transfers to the bigger ideas as well. Get back in there, keep going, not acknowledging the harm. It's so good when I hear parents now who are so receptive to the idea of hearing and listening and receiving and interacting with their children about their deep hurts and shame and guilt. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, Beth, but there is a whole trend on TikTok of people maybe age 30 to 50 that are basically no longer talking to their parents because they feel their parents did such a terrible job raising them. And they kind of feel like, well, they didn't do a good job raising me, so I don't have to be here for them when they're older. And I think that's kind of misinformed because the 30-year-olds today may have had a very, very different life experience than their parents. And so to, to judge and shame their parents and, and disassociate from their parents, it's kind of sad to me when I, when I think about people who are 60s, 70s, 80s that did the best they could. And granted, you know, maybe it wasn't good enough. I'm not going to deny that, but I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Gosh. Yeah. And I understand both sides. I understand the anger and I understand the frustration with the lack of compassion. And my parents aren't understanding with my children. So I really don't want them to be around my kids, too. There's that. But I had the very good fortune of having been born to a cycle breaker. My mother was severely abused as a child and vowed to never strike one of her children. She had six children, so I'm one of six, and never in our family, I don't remember, raised voices. We were raised in kindness. That was my experience. But I understand that perspective of saying, you know, if they're not going to grow with me, 
think you've just hit the crux of the issue. This is what the young people on TikTok are mad about. They're saying, okay, this happened. My parents probably had it worse than I did. I could forgive that. But the fact that they're unwilling to grow together now to try to understand, to try to listen and mutually give empathy and grow and change together. I guess that's the real crux of the issue, isn't it? I think so. And I think there has to be some movement in parents and grandparents. I think they have to understand that new thought and that there is proof that there is a better way. Maybe hardening kids off, teaching them how to be tougher by being tough on them is perhaps not the best, not societally the best modality. Yeah. So when you're working with older adults, So we're going to get into all the conditions that, you know, are impacted by the nervous system, but do the older adults that you work with, do they recognize that they had that much trauma? I work in my scope of practice and my scope of practice is recognizing the patterns in the body, in how they breathe in how they are functioning in the world. And a lot of times the somatic work that we do will lead them to talk to me about something that's happened to them. But that isn't my goal. My goal is to address by the coaches. I work with the Anamaya coaches. I work with the physical body and then we start working with the energetic work underneath that. And then we begin working with the layers of the mind. But if they want to talk to me, and often they do, often they'll say, oh my gosh, something came up for me. And I didn't think that I even remembered this thing that happened in junior high. And I had this uncle, and, you know, and then they'll tell the story. It's a bottom-up approach. So it's often as much of a surprise to them as it's a surprise to me. Every time you go into a session, it's surprising. There's nothing predictable about what will happen with an individual. They themselves are sleuthing. You know? mm. They're sleuthing out, okay, this, 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 this. Oh, wow. And it's stuck in my breath and I can't, you know, and, and then it suddenly it's coming up as a, that makes me feel mad and that why am I mad and why does it make me feel you know and and then we work on them I'm not there to do the talk therapy I work in conjunction with psychologists who do the talk therapy but sometimes they'll open up a bit to me what I do is help them work with what they're feeling and okay let's do this if you're feeling that anger Let's get your feet on the floor and we're going to try running. Okay. Let's run. Let's get those feet on the floor and just run, you know, move your arms. Kind of push it through. It sounds like. Yeah. You need to get away. Let's get away. Let's get away from that. (sighs) For a little while. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the premise of your book is that there are, Trauma has caused the nervous system to have this scarring, as you say, 
and that that in turn can impact things like sleep apnea, sciatica, arthritis, osteoporosis, heart health, pre and post surgery, Alzheimer's. That's many, many things that the damaged nervous system impacts 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later. Yeah. And, you know, over those 50, 60 years, we're talking compound trauma. We're talking about loss of spouse, loss of children, going through natural disasters, going through all kinds of things that humans go through. So the trauma is compounding. It's not like it happened when you were 13. Part of being human is that we continue to get traumatized and, and, you know, defining trauma could be a big T trauma, a complex trauma, but it could also be really anything that you don't have the internal and external resources to digest and process and work through. We don't have, for some reason, we have lost that innate ability that other animals have when they're dealing with the shock of a predator attack, for instance. We don't stop and and just shake and get ourselves back into our physical bodies. What we do is dissociate from our bodies. And and I think that's what you mean by this bottom-up approach, that it's a somatic approach. You're, You're not going from top down, the talk therapy to convince you and your nervous system that it's gonna be okay, you're safe. It's more, I'm going to shake, march, run, breathe, move my body and therefore my nervous system as a way to kind of push the trauma, if you will, out. Is that what you're saying? It's that, um, it's what Bessel van der Kolk calls finding a sense of safety in your own body which he says is the number one ticket to finding your way out of living the trauma right now, which means right brain, because right brain is always in the now. So I see one of the most essential jobs of the yoga therapist in that role is to help transfer from the right brain over to the left brain so that we are able to talk and put things into a timeline because the left brain has a timeline and the right does not. It's always now, always now. And that's why we feel the stressors and the nervous system feels the stressors right now. Anytime we recall the memory. And I think it's important to know, like the latest neuroscience is really saying it's not just right brain or left brain, it's that corpus callosum down the middle about how does the right and left brain talk to one another? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Beth, I was reading in your book and I had to go look it up immediately. It was so fascinating to me. There's something called the glymphatic system. Tell us what that is, because I honestly haven't heard very many people talking about that. And when I read about it, I was shocked, like, oh my goodness, this is so connected to yoga therapy. How come we're not discussing this? So first of all, tell us what is the glymphatic system? Okay. Up until 2017, we didn't really know that this system existed, that there was a lymphatic system in the brain. And it takes out about three 
pounds of fluid a year. That's a lot of schmutz, right? That we want to get rid of. But what are the impediments? Poor sleep is, is number one because we drain mostly at night. But we can encourage lymphatic drainage by good health habits and repositioning our heads. And there are lots of things that we do in yoga practices, not necessarily headstands. It doesn't have to be headstands, but you know, a lot of positional things that we can do, movements with the head that help our lymphatic drainage. And these skull plates are not rock hard. They don't just stay in one position. Like baby's fontanel, we these never completely soften. So we want a somewhat malleable skull so that we have good drainage through all the little holes in the head. Yeah, the lymphatic system is enormously important. If it is not draining well, our memory is poor. Our sleep is worse. We become depressed, sluggish. Our energy level is just dumper. Just so I can get my head around this, because like I said, it was kind of a new concept to me. The lymph is going throughout the whole body, kind of cleaning up the the debris, if you will. But we have a special type of lymph in our cranium and our brain called the glymphatic system. And so you're saying it cleans out about three pounds of of degree a year waste. waste yeah yeah interesting and so then i i think i'm just repeating this just to make sure i i heard what i think i heard so the different things we do in yoga like turning our head looking up looking down maybe lifting and lowering our arms it kind of is that like a pump that gets up and and helps the lymph flow in the head and neck and shoulder mm-hmm. area sure and, and, uh, and certainly mobilizing, I, I'm doing a lot of work these days in cranial nerves, of course, right now that I'm teaching uh, called facial freedom that doesn't have to do with looking young, obviously, but, uh, but it has to do with cranial nerves and the tissues of the face. And it also has to do with how we interact with people more easily. By that, you're referring to like Stephen Porges work with the social engagement system where we're engagement system and our, our, you know, eyes are making connection and, and how important that is to, co-regulation and impacting our nervous system. Bingo. Yes. Yes. That's the You're doing that. a course on that. Yeah. 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 I've got that in Tokyo here in a couple of weeks and I've taught it once in London. So when we kind of talked at the beginning, you said you were going to take us through a little practice to give a deep head massage. And are, is that going to help the lymphatic system efficiently? Yeah, and it just feels really good. Okay, let's do it. All right. It'll mess up your hair. I, I don't care. I can I can deal with that. Okay. I'm warming up my hands, getting some good good juju in my hands here. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a yoga term, isn't it? All right. <laughs> so and I'm gonna just move to the temples here. And at any point, open the jaw and move the jaw side to side because we want 
that openness. So this is pretty deep. And I want about five circles, one direction, and five circles, opposite direction. So, so those plate. I'm on the bony plate, and I kind of like to use this spiny little process here at the edge of the thumb to kind of get a little edge. Some people really hate that and say that's too pokey. So just use what if, if a softer tissue feels good, do that. And then right above the ears. So about here and roll around above the ears. <sighs> and I like to yawn a lot because that's good for my vagus nerves. And just so the people who are listening to this, because we have a YouTube version where you can see this, but if you're just listening, we're kind of using the palm of our hand and especially the base of the palm to make these circles. And I would say the circles are about the size of my palm. Yeah. Yeah. And then go in the other direction. So we started on the temples. And, and, it's, pretty deep, and it's pretty deep. So it's not like we're scrubbing around. We're really moving the tissue of the scalp. I'm going down here behind the ears and as deep as I can here. And for people who have like hands that this doesn't feel good, if you've got hands that have a lot of tightness, sometimes they like to use... Uh, a tennis ball to roll around there to get good pressure. So this is making my eyes water for some reason. And then I'm going to come up here to the crown of my head and I'm going to place my fingers alongside as though I had a center part and place fingers of both hands alongside. And then I'm going to move the scalp around along the sagittal suture, along that center line, right up near the scalp line, all four fingers of each hand, and then move it back again, about five circles for each of these five nice deep pressure circles along those lines. And then all the way back here, to our little friendly bindu back here. I always want to say the spiral back here, but my spiral isn't isn't at that. The spiral is weird point on the back. And I'm yawning, I'm opening my jaw and shifting. Okay, now I'm gonna take it to the face proper and place a couple of fingers alongside of my nose and lean forward and on either side of the nose, nice deep massage just alongside of the nose to really open the nostrils. Five, five nice circles each direction. And then I'll do just to the inner edge of the tear duct so I could just kind of feel the little edge of the tear duct and massage along there just with one finger. And then I'll go above the eyebrows with all maybe three fingers along sinus line here, but okay. So about five nice deep circles here. Then I'm going to tilt my head to one side. It doesn't matter which side first. And I'm going to unroll my ears just as though I was just kind of unraveling, unraveling, unraveling my ears, taking the outer edges all the way around. And then I will come in here to the tragus to the little pointy guy, a little pointy cartilage, and I'm going to take hold of the tragus, open my mouth wide, and circle the whole ear holding the tragus. 
I do this with my hearing patients too. I'm going to use my hand then to press my head back up. Ah, because that feels really good. And then I'm tilt to the other side. That ear often will heal here a little better after you opened it up like that. So I'm unrolling and unrolling all the outer edges of the ear. I like to get up to the harder cartilage, a lot of nice pressure points there, and then get to the tragus and circle the whole ear and open the mouth. So we get some free flowing openness there and then press your head up with your hand. <sighs> okay. How's that? That felt incredible. So what, what physiologically just happened? Cause I feel so good. Yeah. Did yeah. we just kind of impact the glymphatic system? Okay. It's a really good thing to do before you go to bed to encourage. I am just tearing. If you, if you, your video is on, I am just tearing like crazy right now. And my nose is open and, and, uh, and my ears feel wide open. And that's what we're trying to do. We're opening those channels. If we really wanted to take it even a step forward, you'd Oh, stick your tongue way out and lion's breath open up the entire throat as well to, again, encourage everywhere that we can, we can release some of this waste material, open it up. That is all we're doing. And as far as shifting the skull plates, it is just a healthy thing to do because our heads are neglected. They are a neglected piece of our anatomy. Kids love to do this, but I love working with my seniors doing this because it's something they do and they feel better immediately. And it's also a self-touch. Right. Uh, self -touch. And I, I want to encourage people to go to the YouTube channel to watch this because I think just hearing it described isn't nearly as potent as actually seeing what Beth just took us through. And I almost feel like my, my ears and my face, it almost feels like I almost don't want to say on fire because it, it doesn't hurt, but it's, it's tingly. It's feels more vital. I feel like you said, like things kind of got unplugged and maybe, I don't know, could cerebral spinal fluid even be flowing better? Sure. Open up the flow. I love to see people's color change with it. You're, you're brighter. Your color is brighter. Yeah. We're talking about the glymphatic system and getting this lymph of the brain to flow, but I know a lot of your trauma-aware work is also focused on the vagus nerve because the vagus nerve is innervating the heart and innervating the digestive system and innervating the lungs. So... Tell us a little bit about the vagus nerve and, and, you know, how you came. I think, I think I read in your book, like you started reading about it in 2004, which is way before most people in yoga were thinking about the vagus nerve. Yeah. I was teaching classes on it. I think I hit gorgeous about, I believe. And, and I was like, this is it. 
this is it. This is the stuff. This is why we're doing all of these things. This is why this is the whole reason. And I had a studio at the time and I came in just fired up with kind of this vague Vegas idea. It was vague at that point. I came in, there's this nerve and it's the thing, it's the deal, but it made sense. So I started playing with bizarre stimulating techniques and that kind of thing. And then I thought, no, how's this adaptable? How can I utilize this in a classroom situation? How can I utilize this in a therapeutic setting? And became part of every class I teach. It's the underlying reason of of why most people come to a yoga class, because it's impossible for people to connect with who they actually are without connecting to their parasympathetic nervous system. So smarana is connected to the vagus nerve in my way of thinking. Yeah. But how interesting, like I said, we weren't really hearing that much about the vagus nerve. I know Stephen Porges was studying it long before any of his publications came out, but how interesting that almost 20 years ago, you came across this and kind of discovered that, wow, this is probably a big part of the mechanism of yoga and how we can heal trauma, heal the autonomic nervous system, and therefore have an impact on things like osteoporosis, arthritis, sleep apnea, Alzheimer's. I mean, back then, did you see that by healing the vagus nerve or did you think about that it could have such an impact on so many different systems of the body? I knew it was big. I knew it was vast and I knew it was hugely important. I, of course, didn't see the, at that point, there weren't all the studies. There wasn't all the information that we have now. I do see now is that people are focusing so exclusively on vagus nerve that they are neglecting the fact that it's a nervous system. And if we are only focusing on the vagus nerve and not the other 11 cranial nerves, they work together. I mean, if trigeminal nerve isn't happy, for instance, or the optic nerve, if there's an issue there, it's going to set up difficulty with accessing any of the techniques or, or moving into parasympathetic. And, and hence the need for what you're calling face yoga, maybe not for beauty, even though your face looks beautiful and shiny and radiant, <laughs> but to go in and work with all of the cranial nerves and the cervical spine and the even maybe thoracic, like all of that upper body social engagement system and I want to add one more thing. I've I've been hearing this critique the last few months that, oh my gosh, we've gone overboard on this vagus nerve and its impact. And we all know that it has a really important impact, but many people are starting to talk about the gut brain axis and how important the phrenic nerve is. Phrenic. Yes, 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 yes. I came back. I- I, I was hearing phrenic before I was hearing Vegas because I was in the Sri Vidya Tantra tradition. And, oh, you know, I, I, Rolf Sobik's lectures on the phrenic nerve and how it worked with the diaphragm and his beautiful lectures. Of, you developed a relationship with the phrenic nerve. And, uh, and, and you yourself have had a couple different times in life where the gut brain axis, if you will, has really 
shown itself to be strong. You talked in the book about some underlying health issues that you had like a niacin deficiency that ended up making it appear that you had a psychiatric disorder. And then you also said that around age 40, you were diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but that ended up being poor absorption of folic acid. Yeah, folic acid. Around the same time, I also had difficulty carrying babies to term because of poor absorption of iron. And the iron, I, I, I went through 10 years of iron infusions monthly because they said, you just have a absorption issue. We don't know what it is. They have a celiac disease. But yeah, I had diagnosis in my 40s of early onset Alzheimer's, which was terrifying because my mother died of Alzheimer's. Her mother died of Alzheimer's, which now we look back, it may have been celiac disease. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up there. That your mother and grandmother may have had celiac disease undiagnosed, continued to eat wheat or whatever was, you know, causing this inflammation in the body and actually died thinking it was Alzheimer's. I can always remember that mom complained every time she would, oh, I love rolls, but oh, they hurt me. But never, never thought that that they would be doing damage. That wasn't a a consideration in in this country. It It took a European doctor. I happened to have a European doctor who who said, finally, when I was diagnosed in my 40s with advanced osteoporosis, she said, hold on, you ever been checked for celiac? And they did an intestinal biopsy and I had no villi. I mean, they were just glued. And no, I wasn't getting any nutrients to speak of. Everything was just... I think this speaks to the importance of holistic healing and integrative health that our nutrition and our vagus nerve and our glymphatic system and our phrenic nerve and, and looking at whole person health that psychiatric disorders are not disconnected from physical problems. These are one in the same and how we can kind of split it apart and not, you know, a lot of doctors and psychiatrists, they don't talk to the other one. You know, someone's diagnosing you with a psychiatric disorder, not talking to the gut doctor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have talked to so many frustrated people who say, you know, my family member is in and out of psychiatric care. Why don't they talk about the fact their guts are sick all the time? I know this is related, but nobody ever talks to them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to wonder if if we will catch up because everything has to be billed under a code, under a doctor it, the, the holistic kind of integrative approach is not happening in healthcare. And as you said, as yoga therapists, we need to stay in scope of practice. We can't be telling people to go get your gut checked when you're being told you probably have a psychiatric disorder. I mean, that that's not in scope of practice, right? Yeah. And it should be. going to be working with a DO uh, in a clinic. He's so excited about all of these ideas. 
things. And he has to get past billing codes in order to get these things done. So, Which I should say, the International Association of Yoga Therapists is now working on trying to get billing codes for us so that we could work under a doctor or maybe a chiropractor or someone that could submit those codes and get reimbursement. So that's kind of exciting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So Beth, we got a little bit of a late start and we're going to have to wrap this up soon, but I just want to spend a little bit more time on your book, Trauma Aware Yoga and Movement Therapeutics for Older Adults. Each chapter goes through and talks about how the nervous system impacts sleep apnea or sciatica or arthritis, osteoporosis, heart health. So what made you want to write this book? Had you experienced a lot of this? Yeah. Yeah. Not all of it. No, I I don't have heart problems, but I have some genetic issues like the celiac. I also have alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, which is a liver condition that affects lungs. And I'm supposed to have emphysema. I don't have... uh, symptoms and some other things, but a lot of the things that I talk about in the book, I have, and so it's really, I was experiencing them when I was younger. And it's a lot, the reason that I started working with older people, it was because I said, I know what joint pain feels like, because if I happen to get a gluten contamination, I have joint pain. I know what that feels like. And when you have the experience yourself, it's a lot of times easier to understand how it feels when somebody says, let's all get down on the floor to do this. I say that all the time, that those of us that have had a lot of either mental, emotional, or physical imbalances and disorders, we're some of the best yoga therapists because we know what it means to have chronic pain or to have a foggy brain or to just feel emotionally unstable for a period of time. And I I think we've developed a lot of empathy and compassion knowing how hard it is to be human. Oh yeah. Yeah. Going through trauma yourself. I was with a client yesterday and it was a comfort to her that I had lost a child too, Mm. you know, and that I had that in common with her. And I'm not saying that every therapist has to have that experience, but it was in a way a comfort to her. A lot of times, if you've had a family member, if you've cared for someone, very good thing to have that as part of your repertoire, you know. Well, I want to thank you for writing this book. I think just introducing this idea that underlying trauma impacts the nervous system, which impacts a myriad of other disease pathologies later in life. It's a revolutionary idea that most people have not even considered. So I congratulate you for kind of bringing that in a very user-friendly way that pretty much anybody can read this book and have quite a few aha moments, I think. I thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. One of the things I really loved about what Beth had to say today is this idea about 
finding a sense of safety in your own body. Not in your mind, although that can happen too, but actually in your own body. That is kind of something to think about how important having a sense of safety is. Now, I want to pull up a graphic that we recently used in one of our yoga therapy training programs. And I created it as I listened to a lecture by Marlisa Sullivan. And she came up with this idea that I think is so beautiful. And it's very connected to what Beth was saying today. And the idea is, what is yoga therapy? And Marlisa said, it's a reprogramming of the autonomic nervous system. And how do we do that? There's at least three main ways we do that. One is through the yoga tools, gentle asana, breathing or pranayama, and things like meditation and chanting. Those things give us a sense of safety in our own skin. They create physical safety. Now, there's a second part to this, creating safety and reprogramming the autonomic nervous system. And that's all about the therapeutic alliance, that relationship we have with our clients, where we can kind of revisit these relational wounds that have caused us pain and suffering over our lives in a safe space with a stable person, and really learn how to co-regulate and get our nervous systems to, to feel sattvic, and hopefully have good communication, kind of relearn some of those patterns of communication. And then the third area that really reprograms the autonomic nervous system that we depend on in yoga therapy is this idea of creating lifestyle changes that bring us towards a more sattvic lifestyle. So what time do you get up in the morning? What time do you go to bed? Do you eat at regular intervals? Are you getting enough movement during the day? Do you do a yoga nidra or something to get you into a deep state of relaxation on a regular basis? So those three areas are, are kind of how we create that deep sense of safety in, in your body through yoga tools and technologies, through the therapeutic alliance, and then through lifestyle changes that lead us to a more balanced lifestyle. So I just wanted to throw that in here because I think, you know, sometimes it almost seems like magic or a, a mystery how it is that yoga therapy can benefit people. And especially as, as Beth talked about, that getting the nervous system in balance so that it impacts all the other digestive system, cardiovascular system, lymphatic system, immune system, it's not magic. It's actually kind of common sense. And it's working through things like the vagus nerve and the phrenic nerve. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was a little different, but I personally thought it was very, very interesting. And it's given me a lot of food for thought. And now I just want to go research more about the phrenic nerve and the glymphatic system. And I'll put those words in the show notes so that you too can go do your research on this. All right. Thanks for listening. And keep in mind that we have a Yoga Nidra Facilitators course coming up starting in October 2023. And it's a six-month course to learn how to be a Yoga Nidra Facilitator. And I hope you'll consider joining us. If you want to learn more, it's at www 
optimalstateyoganidra.com. And we'd love to talk to you about it. All right. Have a great day. A special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.